the, the first meeting that you have with your investor, the intro meeting, my most successful meetings like that were just a conversation without a deck, just me presenting the, and after that, I can send them the deck and maybe walk them through the deck. But that first interaction, you're better off just having a more casual uh, back and forth uh, than like spitting out all your, your stats and material. Yeah. I think it's it, it gives the hook at the beginning uh, much more than just, like swamping them with a ton of, uh, of stats and, uh, and material. Welcome to Startup Health Now, the podcast where we celebrate the entrepreneurs and innovators transforming health. I'm your host, Logan Plaster. It's no secret that 2022 was a down year for health innovation funding. Earlier this month, we published our year-end insights report and showed a 50% drop-off in digital health funding compared with 2021. Now, you have to take those numbers in context. For one, 2021 was a crazy exuberant year for funding fueled by this COVID-induced rush to virtual healthcare. Second, when you look at health innovation funding over 10 years, we're still on a dramatic upward growth curve. That said, 2022 was a scary year for startups that needed to raise funds. So I wanted to call up a founder in the startup health portfolio who had made it happen. Christian Dancero, CEO and founder of Perceive AI, closed his first round of funding, 1.5 million, in November 2022. While many other companies were experiencing down rounds, uh, looking at acquisitions, or even closing their doors. So, how'd they raise their first million plus in spite of a rocky market? What strategies and mindsets did they use that other founders can learn from? We get tactical about lead gen, decks, and nailing your first meeting, but also talk about the importance of aligning with partners at a health moonshot level. Let's get into it. I'll let my guest introduce himself. Hi, everyone. I'm Christian Dancero, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of AI. We are a precision medicine company forecasting disease evolution. Our main products are in Alzheimer's disease, predicting cognitive decline in the near-term future. And where are you generally and specifically? Yeah, I'm uh, in beautiful Montreal, Canada. Uh, currently at home, uh, but we have new office that we've just opened actually a few months ago. So quite exciting time. Awesome. Okay. So we're here to talk about the raise. Uh, tell me when did you raise this round? So, um, we started the, the process maybe at least a year, a year and a half ago, uh, but really starting to close some of the round was in uh, May, June of last year. And we officially closed at the end of November uh, last year. Okay. May, June, 2022, closing November, 2022. So right in that, uh, in that period where everybody was starting to uh, be scared about a potential down round and mm -hmm. economical situation, uh, so we had a first close of one of our safes uh, with one of a strategic investor, and uh, but we still had to fill out the rest of the round. And uh, obviously we were kind of at the end of our runway anyway, so like we didn't need any pressure to actually close fast, uh, but it still takes time to uh, close everybody else. So, um, so, so yeah, it, it, it was a challenging time and uh, we were uh, we were kind of pressing time also just for a runway perspective to uh, push things as fast as possible. Unfortunately, also it's the summer, so summer is an added 
difficulty to uh, to actually close during the summer because everybody's on vacation and uh, everything is a bit slower also for obvious reason what was the what was the hardest moment was there a moment when you thought this might not happen uh this is too hard this is too much yeah so well just before that actually like in more april uh end of april it was pretty tough we were really stretching the runway and uh and at least that glimmer of hope was that first investor that came in uh, uh or at least we had the, the confirmation in may and then uh, they actually dispersed in uh, in june and that kind of gave us that push and that that hope that we could uh, rally the rest um, initially we were planning to do it in kind of two trenches with that first validation just rally a few investors and then do a, a larger one with a larger cap. Uh, but in the end, uh, due to the economical situation, we decided to just uh, rally everybody at once and uh, close as fast as possible. Got it. Part of the reason why we're having this conversation is that you closed the round where many people have have struggled and and maybe even decided to not raise or be acquired or, or whatever, choose a different route. So I want to talk through some of the things that you think contributed to the success of the round. Um, do you think that there were decisions that you made in April, May, June that contributed to the success? Or was it simply the idea, uh, an, an idea whose time had come and everyone recognized that? I mean, there was no question about like we needed to, to raise that round. Um, but uh, we did a few things I think that were uh, that were useful. So one of the difficulty that we had, we we were spoken with a lot of uh, investors in the past, a lot of interest from them, but no real concrete lead and nobody that wanted to commit first, right? Yeah. Uh, so we've used that first uh, commitment, even if it was not at the exact valuation that we wanted. Uh, because it was kind of a template commitment uh, or template uh, safe. Um, we've used that as a, as a first trigger to kind of push everybody at the same time and, and push some commitment. Um, so we kind of set a deadline for when that specific, at least that first trench will close. Okay. Uh, and kind of push that, like that was a very good deal, a very good price, they should come in, but there was an expiration date to that. And if and that kind of forced them to actually give me an answer. Mm. They were in or out, whatever it was, at least uh, I was kind of able to actually move and progress from that and, uh, and prioritize also the ones that some of them uh, had the ability to maybe close faster, other had a more lengthy due diligence process. And uh, we were kind of able to rank them depending on how difficult it was and how valuable they were in terms of like the money and the strategic uh advantage they, they they could bring in uh so i think that was actually a pivotal moment that really helped us to actually get that final answer of like are you in or out for this well like we need that commitment now mm. uh, which i was struggling to have at the time like they were kind of yeah they were looking around they were just waiting for that said lead but in very early stage and in, in healthcare especially in ai uh, it's difficult to have savvy lead investors that invest small amounts um and so, so there is no lead at that stage usually yeah. so you need to kind of federate or syndicate a, a group I got it. 
So was it difficult to sort of say say no or put people on pause? You know, when you're looking for that round, you want to keep all the doors open naturally. So to so you're saying part of the success was to be willing to close doors temporarily on people and say there's a deadline. Was that difficult? Well, so at the beginning, uh, I, I was not refusing anybody. I was just saying, like, give me an answer. And so they were saying, like, well, my process is too long, so I'm not going to be able to join, unfortunately. So it was kind of a natural thing. After that, as we progressed, uh, the round, the, the space in the round got smaller, and then it also got a bit easier or had more leverage in terms of who I'm getting in or out, uh, depending on what are the terms and everything. So, uh, yeah, it was difficult. It's, it's, it's never easy to like the, the investor that you're talking to, usually you want them in, in some way or another. Yeah. Uh, but after that, it's when you have the luxury of being able to choose, then depending on the specific terms and the process, then you may or may not want to have them at this time. Talk to me about getting your foot in the door. How many investors do you think you talked to during this round? Um, so it was on a very long period of time. So I would say probably a hundred, 150 people that I spoke to at uh, mm -hmm. any given time, uh, at least. Um, and, and a lot of them, like, it, it's really, I have like people that I've spoke a long time ago that came in into this round. Others that like came in really at the last minute that I didn't knew before and uh, through introduction, like uh, in a few months, it was uh, it was done. So, so yeah. Uh, and usually, we were focusing on the U.S. and in Canada in terms of investors. Okay, so so what I'm hearing is that the folks who ended up coming in came from a variety of places. Uh, I guess that my question is, where did you have success in terms of prospecting? Did you have, did you do any cold emails? Did you go to the right conferences? Do, did you speed dating with investors? What were some of the things that were successful in finding yeah. people? So one of the thing why it took that much time also, it was because it was in the pandemic. So fostering these relationships during a pandemic mm. time is actually quite difficult because you don't have that one-to-one in-person relationship. Uh, it's all video calls and it's a bit more impersonal. So uh, I think that was something that was much more difficult. Uh, so it was through email, through introduction from other VCs, from some of our trade commissioners, from some of my contacts with other startups. Uh, every lead is a good lead uh, in terms of uh, uh, good connection or relevant connections. Um, and, and yeah, after that, like cold call, cold call doesn't really work most of the time. Uh, you need some sorts of warm introduction, um, and that can come from a variety of places. Yeah. You need to be creative. People obviously obsess over their pitch deck. Um, any pitch deck wisdom uh, to, to share based off of what actually closed the deal? Yeah. Um, so... So I hear a lot about like these, uh, like a lot, I, I did a lot of accelerators and everybody has like that. You have like these templated deck plus the, the, the description and everything. And obviously if you do cold call or you're sending your, your, your material over to people that you don't know, you need some sorts of minimal description, but I don't feel that it's really working well in a lot of, uh, even like the, the 
first meeting that you have with your investor in the intro meeting. My most successful meetings like that were just a conversation without a deck, just me presenting. It. And after that, I can send them the deck and maybe walk them through the deck. But that first interaction, you're better off just having a more casual uh, back and forth uh, than like spitting out all your, your stats and material. Yeah. I think it's it. It gives the hook at the beginning uh, much more than just, like swamping them with kind of uh, of stats and uh, and material. Yeah, when you closed the deal in November, did you um, did you think it was important for your team to celebrate, or did you just move right into the next project and say heads down? Yeah, well, I mean, so this is uh, this is also learning. Like we're trying to celebrate more and mark those big milestones. So now. We're, Every quarter, we we kind of have these types of objective and 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 celebrate these big milestones that we uh, that we achieve. Um, that said, the round was closed in like multiple subparts, like each investor. So it was kind of progressive. So it was not like yeah. one big closing; everything is done at once. Uh, so that kind of, uh, at least on my side, it's kind of a never-ending saying like we're very close we're like a few months a few weeks a few days and then the days become a few weeks and so so finally uh it it, it you need to to take a bit more time or, or expect a bit more time for the closing like uh, the whole due deal the formal due diligence process and the negotiation of like side letters and things like that it's always a bit more time especially with larger investors yeah. Did you find it challenging to balance uh, the time required for raising and what you need to do to simply run your business, coach your people, manage, uh, and just be a good CEO? Yeah, it, it sidetracks you completely. It sucks your life out of, of you to just do that. And uh, unfortunately, you, you kind of lose the focus on the company uh, and the objective, which is uh, very detrimental for the for the staff and 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 for the division, uh, I would do things differently. Uh, it was my first raise and first round of financing, so I, I've put a lot of pressure on myself to actually deliver on that, since I was the one that was supposed to to do that raise. Um, but but you you need to be careful to not lose sight of the important stuff and and why you're actually raising that money. Yeah, uh, which is the objective and the employee and the vision of that. Uh, in addition to that, uh, you know, revelation. What else would you do a little differently the next time? Will you do? I'm sure there will be a, a new round coming. Yeah, uh, <laughs> at some so, point. Um, I mean, you need to be super resilient, so that's for sure. Um, expect more time than you've planned uh, because the the actual due diligence is after they actually committed and it's kind of done like you're sure that they will come in so uh, this is where the clock is starting not when you have those initial casual or self-commitment uh, discussion uh, and that that can take a few months um, especially because some of the investors will most probably want to have side letters are a bit custom to them. Even if you do a safe that is supposed to be a template, uh, not a lot of them actually sign the safe as it was without side letters and everything. So yeah. expect more time. And the other thing is try to raise when you don't need money. Mm. Uh, it's easy to say, but I'm currently, I've just been to... Uh, JP Morgan last week, um, and 
it's a really different dynamic when you're not actually currently uh, raising the conversation that you have, the outreach of vegan VCs. Uh, it's a it's a much better and more interesting and productive discussion, I think. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm not saying go back to raising the, the month after you've closed, but certainly give you ample room and probably raise sooner than you you would want to or be, like even before you actually achieve all the milestones that you set yourself for because yeah. uh, you can start to engage secure some of these initial commitments uh, at that point and that then makes, the conversation will be much easier yeah that makes a ton of sense and i've heard that from others as well however it br- puts into relief this challenge once again of balancing raising versus leading and it forces you to really conquer that mountain <laughs> you know if you're going to raise and then manage and then raise then maybe you can make that split brain work maybe probably not but if you're going to be raising when you're not raising then you really have to yeah. master it so i think when i'm saying like start to raise it's not necessarily like that full-blown like cold outreach trying to find new investors and everything but more from your first raise, well, ideally, if you had a first raise, you already have a network of contacts and people and probably like even investors that you would like to have in your next round and potentially the ones that some of them are your potential candidates for for lead investors. So those few relationships, maybe there is like five or 10 investors like that. Yeah. Those, you keep them very close, engage, try to report to them as soon as, as frequently as possible and get them as close as possible as you can. So that you can have these kind of intermediate conversation, like if they feel that like this is enough for them to actually trigger that round or things like that. So, so, so it's not like full blow fundraising, but more the current good relationship that you have. Anyway, your your next round will always be with investor that tracked you for at least a year, or so uh, that knows you a bit better. So, yep, that makes a lot. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, any final words of wisdom to a to a founder who finds himself maybe a year behind you looking at this market, thinking that 2023 is going to be a rough time to raise? They look to you and they say, okay, well, these guys did it. Um, any words, words of advice? Well, keep your head down. Uh, there is capital, so the, the investors are there to, to invest. And uh, the, the, the very small one that don't understand the market may want to see where things will pan out, but uh, there is still a lot of good investors that have capital. So don't lose, uh, don't lose hope uh, that's going to come and, and try to uh, give you ample time to, uh, to close. Don't get too close to the, uh, the end of the runway because that's super stressing. Yeah. I mean, we talked a lot about health moonshots at Startup Health and just really keeping the end in mind. You know, what does your grasp of your mission, how does that play into raising during a tough market? Yeah, so there was a few signal that were uh, motivating. Like we had internal uh, good milestones that we were achieving, but we needed that capital. So it was kind of motivating, but also a bit frustrating because like, like we're so close, uh, yeah. we just need that that, that fuel uh, to get to those uh, those contracts or those milestones that are already have some commitment. Uh, plus, there was in Alzheimer's disease specifically in our case, 
a lot of movement uh, last year uh, of like large clinical trials that were ending. Um, so good signal. Actually, some of them actually got like very positive results last week, uh, a week and a half ago. Uh, there was a first approval of a, of a new drug in Alzheimer's disease, uh, very promising. So so that kind of refueled the whole field, right? And, and a lot of excitement. And for us, new doors are open that uh, may fast track our next round of investment. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Uh, Christian, that's our time. I really appreciate you you sharing with me a bit of that journey, the highs and, and the lows, uh, the challenges of this. But congrats on closing the round during a tough time sort of showing that other folks with uh, on their health moonshot journey can can still succeed uh, if they, like you said, put their heads down, if they uh, don't get too close to the runway, if they're smart during this time, uh, and bring in folks who kind of understand their mission uh, and understand the bigger picture, right? Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Logan, for the invitation. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for listening to Startup Health Now. Startup Health invests in health transformers around the world who are dedicated to achieving audacious health moonshots. If you want to learn how you can join this community of entrepreneurs, or if you want to connect with one of our 450 companies, go to startuphealth.com. If you'd like to learn how you can invest in our Health Moonshot Impact Fund, go to healthmoonshots.com. Thanks for listening to Startup Health Now. We'll be back again with another episode next week.